God, thank you for this morning. Thank you that we are here enjoying um, togetherness. Lord, that you've sustained us. Lord, thank you for the beautiful weather that we've had the last few days to soak in um, the warmth of your creation. God, use me as you see fit for this word. And Lord, prepare our hearts um, and may we be listening to what you have in store for us. We look to you in your name. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm Nicole Guthrie. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, and I'm looking forward to this next five weeks together. We're doing a new sermon series. I mean, you can see on this, well, you can't see on the screen. I can see on this screen right here, but it's called We Can Do More Together. So we're going to spend five weeks doing this. I'm going to preach on the we and then next week can. Uh, the following two weeks, Nate Severson will be preaching on do and more. And he, of course, has a surprise twist for you all in store. And then Jessica Fix, she's new on staff here. She's going to be doing cleanup and probably preaching better both than Nate than, and I on the word together. And so um, after that, we are looking together in anticipation of Nate Powell and his arrival. And as I was um, thinking through this um, five weeks, I really feel like the word anticipation um, is really for us. Um, and I want to encourage you to lean in in these next five weeks because I think there's something in store for us if we lean in, if we go a little bit closer um, to what God has. And I have this plant analogy, and I feel like I always do plant analogies with you guys, but here we go. So in the winter, you know, we um, prune our plants, right? We clip all the dead things off in anticipation of bigger blooms and fruit for the spring and the summer. And I think that that call is the same for us. If we can lean in in these five weeks and prune some of these things that we may or may not know that we have, um, I think the fruit will be bigger for us. So that's my encouragement. If you don't lean in, that's okay. I mean, technically, the plants still bloom. I, however, want to have the biggest fruit for the Lord. And so um, this today, I'm going to be speaking um, on Exodus 32. And it's the last time in Scripture that I can find where there was complete, full unity amongst the Israelites. So I'm going to give a little background before I read uh, Exodus 32 for you because I think it's important before we read the word of the Lord. So in Exodus, we have an account of how God has rescued the Israelites, right? They have been in slavery and in captivity for generations. He rescued them. He parted the Red Sea. The Israelites, thousands walk across the Red Sea. They turn around and they see their enemies, the Egyptians, in the sea and God destroys them. Right then and there, they have this amazing worship experience, singing and dancing, and beautiful poems and songs come out of this. And all the people are rejoicing towards God. They're having daily miracles of food provision. Moses has hit a rock, and water has come out through God's provision of water for all of them. And the Lord's glory has come down onto the mountain. 
through fire and smoke, and it is resting there. Moses has given the Ten Commandments and other instructions for the well-being of the community and for individuals, and most importantly, how to stay free from out of bondage for the entire community. In Exodus 24, we see that Israel has complete unity on togetherness and following these commandments. It says, Moses went down to the people and repeated all the instructions and regulations that the Lord had given him. All the people, all the people answered with one voice, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. Moses then writes them all down, and the people again respond. Again, they all responded, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. We will obey. There's a sacrifice made, and there's this covenant meal. And God accepts them as his people. Next, what happens in the story is that there's this um, uh, time where all 70 elders and Moses, they all go up to the mountain, and they eat and they drink, and they have this covenant meal with God. I mean, it says here, God did not raise his hand against these leaders of the Israelites. They saw God and ate and drank with him. Seventy elders saw God, and they were eating and drinking with God. I'm sure that was the best meal of their entire life. And I'm very much looking forward to a meal like that with God one day. So then God then calls Moses further up on the mountain, and the elders, including Aaron, they all are waiting for him. They don't know what's happening. They're not sure what Moses is doing. And scripture says it's 40 days and 40 nights that have passed. And this is where we get into Exodus 32. So hear the word of the Lord. When the people saw that Moses was so long coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. Aaron answered them, Take off your gold earrings that your wives and your sons and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol and cast it in the shape of a calf. Fashion it with the tools. And then they, the people, they said, These are your gods, Israel, who has brought you out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf. And he announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival unto the Lord. So the next day the people rose early, sacrificed burnt offerings, presented fellowship offerings, and afterwards they sat down and they ate and they drank and they got up and did to indulge in revelry. Every time I read this, instantly, like, the anger inside of me burns. How could Aaron? You were just eating with God. <laughs> How could you make this? It's the last time in Scripture we see full unity. I mean, I, I thought about this, and if someone said to me, hey, bring me your gold, I'll be like, oh, yeah, sure, okay, give me no, 
If I said, hey, we could have some diamonds, you all want to, no, that just doesn't happen. We don't see even full unity with amongst the body today, right? We have so many different denominations, let alone our country and our nation, our state, our city. Full unity is not there. In fact, it's what some of us have been praying for in these last few weeks, that there would be unity for us here at Hillcrest for what's going to happen, what's next. In this scripture, and this is where I'm going to spend the rest of the time focusing on, is this half-truth that's here. And I want to give Aaron the benefit of the doubt, because... I want to do that. <laughs> I want to say, Aaron, he was copying what Moses was doing, right? So Moses sacrificed. Moses said, let's sing and dance and praise. And I feel like that's maybe what Aaron was doing. It says, tomorrow there will be a festival unto the Lord. It wasn't a festival unto the calf. It was unto the Lord, to Yahweh. I think Aaron was just mimicking. Aaron was trying to subdue the people in order to praise God. Maybe. I mean, if I think about it, and if we think about it, isn't this how the enemy works with us? These half-truths, right? Some of the half-truths that we hear <laughs> are things like, it's okay, that's how you're feeling. You can lay into that person. You can condemn them. You can judge them. They don't even realize that they're wrong. It's okay if you can watch that. Just, you know, skip those parts. You can have one drink and you'll stop. It's just talking. Nothing's going to happen. I mean, we can go on and on in these patterns of we've seen half-truths in our lives. We also see half-truths within the Bible. You know, with the first, uh, first man and woman, you can eat this fruit. You aren't going to die. Your eyes are going to be open. He also did it with Jesus. Worship me, and you can have all of this. Here in Exodus, we see half-truth. I've been here at Hillcrest for you guys almost six years now. I can't even believe it. I know, it's crazy. And I have had the opportunity to weather the ups and the downs. I've cried. I've mourned, I've rejoiced, I've worshipped. I've made really amazing relationships with really godly people. I really believe everyone here has pure intentions. I hear stories a lot. There was this one time, you remember when? One of my favorite stories is, and you, a lot of you may know and remember, Remember when the parking lot was so full, we were, had shuttles, and we were shuttling people in here? Wasn't that an amazing time? 
See, I'm proud to be a part of Hillcrest and the long legacy it's had. I can't tell you, I'll go to midwinter and I hear amazing stories of how Hillcrest has blessed people that we don't even know about. Someone will ask me where I'm at Hillcrest. Oh my gosh, Hillcrest, they gave us a kitchen for our camp. I tell you, it happens all the time. There is so much fruit from this church. So many people have gone before us. There have been so much sacrifice, sown, sweat, prayer, contending. The list goes on and on. So where am I going with this and how am I going to relate it to the golden calf? See, sometimes when we're in a place of waiting, we go back to what we knew because that was really comfortable and really good. And it was a time where we had life change. And if we could just get there again, then unto the Lord. I believe we're sitting here like the Israelites. We've been rescued. We're finding healing. We're waiting. We're in the unknown. We've weathered storms. We've been led out of captivity. God's provided for us financially, physically, emotionally, and now with a new leader. But we have to be careful to keep our eyes on the one who's rescued us. Amen. The one true God. There's a question here that keeps coming to my mind. Is there something blocking our vision or has our past become our half-truth? We have a unique opportunity here for five weeks and on. Everything inside of me, my core, my gut, my soul, everything is wanting the entire community to come to know Christ. And I want us to be a part of that. We have to keep God the center. We have to keep looking at him and him alone. No one up here is going to do that. It is God and God alone. There's a sentence that keeps coming to me. That we are fixed on this one thing. To know God's goodness and to see his glory. The craziest thing, you guys, is that Moses was almost ready to bring down the instructions to the entire people of how God wanted to dwell in the middle of the camp. His presence, right in the middle of him. He wanted to be with them. And Moses comes down the mountain. Joshua meets him, who will be a future leader of Israel. And I think Joshua, confused, says... There's sound of war in the camp. And Moses replied, It's not the sound of victory. It's not the sound of defeat. It's the sound of singing that I hear. I mean, what a contrast. The last time that they were singing was at the Red Sea from the rescuing of the generations of enslavement, of the killing of their sons. I don't think Moses was mad about singing and dancing. It was the fact that they were singing and dancing with emptiness towards something false, something man-made. 
a half-truth. They literally tossed away the meaning of life and hope for the future. Moses burned, as God did, at everything that was being lost. Their salvation, God's presence, people's lives, people's relationships with God, and the reputation of the community at their nearsightedness. See, the Exodus project, the blessings over the nation through the Israelites, was in jeopardy. And God would have to start over. I think we're at a starting over phase. We must be careful. We must seek God together. We must look to the future. We must be thankful for the past. We must press on together. We must hold one another accountable. We must be looking to what is new. We must celebrate what, what the goodness of the past. But we have to start saying to one another, the Lord is doing something new. The Lord is doing something new. Let's start over. Over and over through this last season, I've seen people come and people go. And I do not think it's a coincidence that you're sitting here now. God is using us and doing something new. There is a place for you. And we need you. Because we get to do this together. See, we have Jesus Christ in us. We get to discern together what this is. Not me, not Nate, not the other Nate, not Daniel. It's all of us together. We're going to do this together in order for, for us to be free, to serve and be under the authority of God and God alone. And when we do that, there is blessing for us and for the entire community. So before we bombard one another or with Nate or with anyone else what we think is best or what our agenda is for Hillcrest, I am pleading for us to pause together and to look to God. What does he want with us? God, what do you want to do with us? How can we serve you, your community? We must work on me, our own agendas, our own half-truths, and turn to the one who's rescued us. The whole world's looking for truth right now. What is the truth? We hold the truth. In John 14, 6, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm going to say some, something kind of weird and it might bother you guys, but I'm just going to do it anyways. A couple weeks ago, I was worshiping and singing with some um, of the, my coworkers, and I had closed my eyes, and then all of a sudden, I saw myself outside, and I was looking at this beautiful white tree, and it was growing at an angle. The entire branches were growing at an angle, and the blooms were huge. And as I was staring at this tree, I had noticed the wind. It was blowing. And it was blowing, not a gentle blow, but not like a crazy, you know, where you're going to be knocked over. It was just a consistent blowing. And I thought, oh, nothing goofy. A couple days later, 
to be really honest, I was like falling asleep at work. Sorry. And I decided I better walk. And it was a really nice day. And so I walked around the church. And I wish the screen was working because all of a sudden I had stopped and I looked right here at the student center. And there is this tree with white blossoms and it is growing at a slant. And I was like, what? This is crazy, y'all. And the wind starts blowing and it's constant. It was just like what I had seen. The tree's not the idol but I believe it's a representation of what God wants to do here. He's blowing a new wind, y'all. I don't think it's just a new wind for Hillcrest. I think it's in its entirety for his body. But we have the opportunity to step in to the wind. We worship and look to God only. We are under his leadership for what he wants to do. There's a new wind, and it's blowing in. I also wanted to read 2 Timothy. I was led to that this uh, week. It says here, soldiers don't get caught up in the affairs of civilian life. For then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. This is the wrong focus. He goes on and says, this is the trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we're unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. Remind everyone about these things and command them in the Lord's presence to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless and they can ruin those who hear them. I think Brad's commissioning of let's keep the main thing, the main thing, is right on. Let's stop fighting over the things of the past, but look to God on what he wants. Because there's a new wind blowing in. There's a new wind blowing in. So my final call for us is to lean in, to work on ourselves, to clean up, prune what we need to, mourn what we've lost, Celebrate what's been good here and rally around each other as we together discern what God wants us to do. There's a few questions that I'll have posted on, on the website since they're not on a slide for us that I thought maybe we should just process this together with some people we trust. If you're even brave enough, maybe ask those people to, to help you discern what your idols are. So the question is, are, what are my fa false idols? Is there anything seen in the way of serving the one true God? Are there any half-truths that I'm believing? What's God showing me about the future of Hillcrest, and how am I supposed to lean in? There's a new wind blowing in, and everything in me wants to go there. And I know you all do, too. So let's look to God Let's lean in and let's cut the things that need to be cut for the sake of the community and for the sake of us remaining free. God, thank you for your word. Thank you how you use us. 
thank you that you are so faithful, even when we mess up. God, thank you for starting over with the Israelites. Lord, thank you for starting over with us. God, we look to you. Together, we show us the way in your name.